Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, hello. It's our last proper pod before Christmas and the, the short holiday pods kick in that we recorded last night with varying degrees of success. Uh, let's just say, as per last year, the one that started before I started the bottle of wine was probably better than the last one. It's been um, our, our listeners, Kieran. A lot of our listeners are, are of our generation, and they would have had the same sort of year that that we've had. I know a lot of our listeners have suffered problems and crises and bereavements this year, but losing Terry Hall, Kieran. I mean, that's just that was a that was a bugger, wasn't it? Just briefly to get that out of the way for all of us middle-aged people listening to this, he was the most bleakly funny man I've ever met and one of my favourite songwriters, singers and musicians. So that was, it broke my heart that did, Kieran. Yeah, and it was a reminder of, of our mortality mm. because when you think of Terry Hall, I think of the first time of Top of the Pops, I think of the first time I heard the specials on, on John Peel and you're thinking, wow, this is great. Uh, and for me, and I'm not saying it because it's happened to be sadly, sadly with his passing. Ghost Town is the greatest number one song of all time because anybody that was living in the north of England when yeah. that song came out, those words were the most accurate reflection of what it was like to live in the early 80s. And you know, I was a student in Manchester in those days, um, and and it was it was brilliant. It was it was very direct, and. It was people like Terry Hall and, and Paul Weller in those days who, uh, who were the only people that could really articulate how, how we used to feel. I had my first man crush on Terry Hall as well. And and also, he was a huge Man United fan, very knowledgeable football fan. So that's our excuse for for mentioning him at the top of this uh, cheery Christmas show. Karen. This, this will be the one that people from BAFTA are going, you know what, we haven't tuned into that Price of Football pod they're always moaning about. I could do with a little lift just before Christmas, <laughs> and they've gone already. <laughs> um, it's a big news day, Kieran, and we, we start with two breaking stories, more or less, just sort of came out this morning. Um, War of the Roses style, one's from the House of Yorkshire, one from the House of Lancashire. Shall we start in Lancashire? Yes, let's. Um, people uh, may be aware that there was a, there was an opportunity for... Uh, Berry AFC and Berry Football Club Supporters Society to to merge uh, recently, and uh, Berry AFC uh, members voted almost unanimously for the merger. And for Berry Football Club Supporters Society, um, there was a sixty three percent in favour of the vote, but you needed a two thirds majority mm. under uh, cooperative law for the, for the for the merger to take place. Um, I think it's fair to say the people who were the naysayers went out and celebrated. By all accounts, there were fireworks outside of Gig Lane. Um, FC, uh, F, sorry, Supporters Society, they didn't recommend the merger. They said, oh, we'll leave, leave it up to you. Make up your own minds. Um, and um, without wanting to sound too uh, hacked off about this, it was it was a complete mess. Um, and for me, the, the saddest legacy of what's happened as a result of Steve Dale's destruction of, of Berry Football Club was that what was a united fan base became very polarised and, and, and effectively there was two factions. Um, the, the supporters society uh, fan base, I, I would 
And, and, the, and if, they, if they don't like this, well, tough. Um, I, I would broadly describe them as the type of blokes you'd see in Weatherspoons um, having a moan about everything and everyone, and anybody that they don't like is some liberal, woke troublemaker. Uh, Berry AFC is 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 a very inclusive, very progressive uh, organisation. So, yeah, I'm, that that's my view. Um, so Berry FC said, right, we, we own we own Gig Lane, so we can now go ahead and um, you know develop our own football club. We don't like the idea of Berry AFC having a having set up a football club and playing in Radcliffe and so on. And uh, supporters society they they had spoken uh, in in vague terms about um, some very rich benefactors who were prepared to put money into the club. Um, but none of that appears to have materialised. So, so yesterday they put out a um, they put out a statement to say, um, you know that you know that uh, that position where we were a bit ambivalent about mm. joining up with Barry AFC. Um, we're, we're sort of having second thoughts about that now, and I suspect it's it's due to to two driving forces. A, they've not got any money. Um, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, these benefactors might have turned up, but there's no evidence of it. And secondly, the the government's department for levelling up, um, I think it was fair to say, was unimpressed with uh, what's taken place, and uh, it looks like some some grant terms have not been uh, facilitated, and and, and therefore, uh, you know, supporters society now have a a football stadium, but no football club, no division in which to play in. Their hopes of being catapulted into a, a a reasonably high up tier um, have not materialised, and we've got Barry AFC now. Barry AFC, if you go onto their their website, you can you can download their latest financials. They're they're very transparent. They're very up to date. They've got three hundred grand in the bank, mm. and they've got a football club. So it it looks as if things might start to come together a bit more. Um, so, so what's the solution going to be? It could be that you know, Berry AFC have a have a rebrand or a rebadge and come out as as Berry Football Club as opposed to Berry AFC um, with with sort of the approval of, of supporters society. It could be that they become tenants at Gig Lane and, and therefore we move forward. Berry, Berry's not big enough for two football clubs. Mm. It's certainly not big enough for for two sets of, of people one of whom seems to just have some bitter vendetta against some of the people at AFC for reasons I don't know and I don't particularly care. You know, but um, it's, uh, I think it's a step forwards because ultimately, um, even if you oppose each other, sometimes you've got to come together. And, you know, and if, if that can be achieved on, on a political level, uh, you know, we, we've seen what's happened with things like the Good Friday Agreement in Northern Ireland and uh, and what's happened in, in South Africa and so on historically. Sometimes you need to be a bigger person. And uh, I think Berry FC Supporters Society are now starting to realise that. Yeah, you know that part of the world very, very well, Kieran. You're immersed in the culture of the Northwest in a way that uh, I certainly aren't and a lot of our listeners won't be. So I, I'm reluctant to to start talking about the factions and and which side is better than which because there's only one villain in this story as far as I'm concerned. And that's Steve Dale. Mm-hmm. And, I think, and as an outsider looking in, all I want to see is a football club in Bury with a United fan base. So hopefully this could be the first step towards that. Um, in Yorkshire, Kieran, there's big news coming out of a big club. Yes, um, Sheffield United. So Sheffield United have had their own ownership disputes and issues. Um, but the club is now owned by Prince Abdullah from Saudi Arabia. Um, and it appears to be, and, and this was a, uh, this I think, I think was an exclusive uh, from, from one of the uh, local journalists. So, you know, I'm, I'm a great believer in, uh, in, in local journalism. Um, mm. And we, we've seen what's happened. The, it looks like the, the BBC are about to destroy um, local match reporting and specialisms there because mm. they're under budgetary pressures. Um, many local journalists, but um, fair play to the the, the the Sheffield journalist that broke this. Um, it looks like there has been uh, an offer accepted by Prince Abdullah to to sell the club. Um, the bidder is as yet 
unknown. Sheffield United are second in the EFL Championship, so yeah, they've uh, they've had a couple of years in the Premier League. They've now had a couple of years back down, um, and I, I think one of the one of the misconceptions that we have uh, because. Yeah, I'm as guilty of sweeping generalizations as, as much as the as anybody else, given my my references to uh, Berry FC Supporters Society. Um, <laughs> is that everybody in the Middle East is a is a billionaire? Um, I, I think it's fair to say that Prince Abdullah isn't, um, and therefore the expectations of the Sheffield United fan base that once the ownership issues had been cleared, everything was going to move forwards and there'd be a big budget and so on. That that has not taken place. Um, so. Where are the likely owners to be from? My my money, and this is based on on no knowledge whatsoever. I, I suspect that it's going to be an American uh, owner. Um, how much have they paid for the club? Again, we've we've got no details. I sort of did my rough sums as to what I would expect for a club that's in that position that that's not going to be getting any more. Um, Parachute payments you know, of significance going forwards after this season, um, but they are second in the championship. You know, I think Prince Abdullah could realistically get somewhere in the region of eighty to ninety million. Um, if Sheffield United get promoted, then he could get a lot more than that. Mm. If Sheffield United don't get promoted, then you know, by, by, by June, I, th- I think the club could have lost a third of its value. It, it's you know, it's a it's, it's, do I stick or twist on eighteen or nineteen position that that he has here. So um, there could be changes. I mean, I think the good news is that whoever is buying the club is is buying the totality um, because we, we have seen issues and, and we will be discussing a little bit later what happens when football clubs become separated yeah. from their stadia. And it, it means that you, you end up with one or two people pulling strings and making things more difficult. So you're, you're getting a, effectively a clean club. Um, you're getting a club... Which does have a a you know a very good sized fan base, a very committed fan base. Um, you know, I've I've been to Bramall Lane. I'm sure you've been to Bramall Lane. It's, yeah. it's one of those places you love going to as a fan um, because it's it's what you might call proper stadium. Um, and uh, I, I guess this this would be uh, a step forward in in terms of certainty because there's been issues in terms of ownership for for many years. And if there's uncertainty over ownership, it means that the, your your current incumbents. Are unlikely to to spend big bucks in in terms of players. Yeah, my abiding memory of Bramall Lane is a nil nil draw, uh, which we reckon we saw the ball twice because in the first half, and uh, a local fan uh, told us this was a local phenomenon, which we later found out was not true. Uh, <laughs> the the fog was down our end; you couldn't see a thing, you really couldn't. And the second half, miraculously, somehow the fog moved up. The other end, and we couldn't see a thing up there, and that was the end. Sheffield United were attacking, uh, and I just remember several policemen being really furious with us because if we hadn't travelled to the game, the referee would have called it off. So we couldn't quite see how that was our fault. <laughs> um, and this might now, this Kieran may sound like a sweeping generalisation, but everyone is capable of sweeping generalisations, Kieran. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Uh, how much did the Prince pay for Sheffield United in the first place? It's it's difficult to work out because he had a uh, dispute with uh, Kevin McCabe, I think is the name. That's right, yeah. Um, right. And they were sort of joint owners, and and then it started to get nasty because there were various commitments and obligations and arguments about the price. But I, I think if he sells it for around that amount, yeah, but for that, that's eighty to ninety million, then he'll he'll make a, a decent return. And of course, if it is bought by an American and they are promoted, that plays into the hands of those conspiracy theorists who are, who are convinced that as soon as there's 14 American owners in the Premier League, we're into an NFL closed shop. But we'll discuss that when it happens, Kieran. I think um, the World Cup, uh, despite misgivings about the country, as a tournament, Kieran, I think most people would agree it was a very good tournament. It was an astonishing final. Unfortunately, that has made Gianni Infantino if it was possible, look even more smug. I mean, it's that classic. <laughs> he has the demeanour of a man who, if he were made of chocolate, would have licked himself to death several days ago. Or as my dear old mum used to say, he looks like a dog with two dicks. Um, yes. And he's full of himself now. So he's got a few ideas <laughs> I think mm. we have to discuss. First of all, FIFA are discussing... Oh, 
well, they're discussing the idea of getting the World Cup close. We won't have to wait for it. We won't have to wait a whole four years anymore, Kieran, will we? Yes. Um, if you take a look at the FIFA accounts, FIFA loses money three years out of every four. Mm. And in a World Cup year, I think this year it's expected to make around about $5 billion in, in revenue. Um, whereas in a non-World Cup year, you're probably looking at somewhere in the region of six, seven, eight, eight if you're lucky, 100 million. So your income goes up by a factor of five or five or six in a World Cup year. So therefore, having to wait four years for the next big payday for FIFA um, isn't isn't great. So um, the, the latest we, we've had from Jenny Infantino, he, he says, well, why not have the World Cup every three years? And you're going, well, that's different. Yeah. Um, there was a proposal recently, I think uh, yeah, Arsene Wenger was talking about having it every two years. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the football clubs, who are the employers of the players, are going, um, has, has anybody contacted us yeah. about this? Yeah, about our staff going away because um, you know they've they've just lost their their staff for for four weeks. And and in the case of Brighton Hove Albion and uh, Alexis McAllister, probably a lot more than four weeks, judging from the party which is presently taking place in Buenos Aires. We're now not not expecting to see him till the new year. So yeah, I'll tell you what, Kieran, as a special Christmas treat, I'm going to allow you to say Brighton and Hove Albion and Alexis McAllister in the same sentence as many times as you want on this pod, because I reckon you've only got a limited time in which you're going to be able to say it. Yes. Come the end of January, you won't be linking those two people together. Possibly, possibly indeed. What, I mean, um, did you know how good he was? Has he shown signs of being that good? For you, because I mean, I, I mean, he's not as good as Messi, but crikey, he's he, he, he was a star of the World Cup, wasn't he, McAllister? He was fantastic. He, he was. He's, he's been superb for us this season. Yeah. I, th- I think he's our leading goal scorer, him, him or Trossard. Um, and he's just looked full of energy, um, and, and he's got that ability to to, to break from you know, from one half to, to the other. Um, yeah, very very good player, uh, an absolute bargain in terms of the the fee we paid from Boca Juniors. Um, so yeah, yeah, and also a nice young man. Yeah, from oh, from everything hear. you hear from everyone, and and that's that's just as important. Yeah, we, we we mustn't just view football players as commodities to be bought and sold. Quite right. Um, he's and and his and his old man used to play with uh, Maradona. So, oh, wow. you know, dad's played with Maradona and son has played with Messi. Wow. That's yeah, just, in, that's... In, in Argentinian language, you know, in Argentinian culture, how much better can that possibly be? There's a Netflix documentary if ever I heard one. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, back, to, back, back to where we are. So we, we now got this proposal for a three-year World Cup cycle. And what Infantino's master plan is... Um, and we sort of link this now to to another story is that the World Cup, the 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 uh, the national World Cup, will take place every three years, and that's got forty eight teams in forty eight nations in. He's also now suggesting that from twenty twenty five we will have an expanded club World Cup. Now I think it's currently uh, currently has seven teams in it, mm. and I, I had to look it up. Uh, apparently Chelsea. Um, are the world champions at present? Uh, if, if, if that had been in a pub quiz, I wouldn't have had a clue. Mm. So, so that's that's indicative of the the lack of uh, the lack of status that the Club World Cup has. But Infantino says, "Oh no, we're going to thirty-two teams from that um, because he's seen the amount of money that UEFA make from uh, from the Champions League, and he's thinking I'll have some of that." So. Instead of FIFA not making money three years out of four, every four, what he now wants is the World Cup every three years, the Club World Cup every three years, with thirty-two teams in it from you know from all of the confederations of FIFA, and then in the third year you will have the Europa, you know, the Euros or the African Cup Cup Nations or the Copa America. So he he wants every year to have something major in it. Um, from a football point of view, but from his point of view, two of those three are going to be FIFA, which is going to rack up the the money made by FIFA 
And people say, well, you know, how, how is Infantino so popular? Well, the reason for this is that he's uh, he's been very clever with what's mm. known as the, the FIFA forward scheme, which gives $1 million a year to each of FIFA's, I think there's 209 or 210 members. So therefore, if, if you go to the FIFA rankings this morning, and at the bottom you've got San Marino, Anguilla, British Virgin Islands, US Virgin Islands, uh, and, and so on. If these club, these sorry, these countries uh, are never going to qualify for the, the World Cup. We know that, unless he expands it to 200 nations. Um, but a million dollars a year in, in Anguilla is, is a lot of money. Mm. Um so therefore, that's why he's going to be re-elected unopposed as FIFA president um, very soon. Yeah, I, I, this is not the time of year, Kieran, to suggest that there may be still some vestiges of corruption within FIFA. But I understand Narnia have applied to become a member. <laughs> uh, and a million dollars will be a lot of money. for Where's he going to fit in this 32-team men's club World Cup? Because at the moment, it's sort of over and done, done with in a, mm. in a weekend at the end of the season. So this is going to be at least three weeks again. So again, the clubs are going to be saying, hey, on a second, what what are you doing with our players? Because even if it's in the close season, they will still be missing out on those lucrative pre-season or you know, friendly tours, won't they? Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. So this appears to be a decision made by FIFA. Is it in the interests of FIFA? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, from a business point of view, you can see why he's doing what he's doing. It's good for Infantino. It's good for FIFA's uh, finances. But you've got to take into consideration other stakeholders in the game. And you know, the, 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 the lack of consultation in respect of clubs appears to be not an issue as far as he's concerned. And a club such as Manchester United can make £15 million from a pre-season tour. So therefore, you know, they're going to be saying, well, hold on. You know, ultimately, you're trying to dictate what's going to happen to our employees. Um, and I, I know that this does provoke a reaction. Footballers are elite athletes. Mm. And, you know, you're, you're, you're fond of horse racing, for example. Mm. You, you don't go, if, you, if you've got a really good racehorse, you don't go and say, well, let's go and, let's go and give them another 10 races a year. Because the, the horse will be knackered. What you want is your athletes in the best possible physical condition. Well, if you're just trying to squeeze them until the pips squeak, um, then then that's not going to be the case. And yes, we have just had a a good World Cup. It, there, there was a lot of crap matches, you know, at the start of it. It, it was yeah, it was a lot a bit of nil-nils. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and even even the final itself, um, you know, after. After 78 minutes, France hadn't had a shot on target. It was a bit ho-hum, you know, sort of fairly standard 2-0 victory for one side against another. Um, and then, then you know, by all means, you know, the last 10 minutes and certainly the best extra time I've ever seen. I'm, I'm not denying that whatsoever. Um, so I think there's been a little bit of uh, you know, recency bias uh, in, in terms of assessing the competition. We've also got to take into consideration what happens to the Olympics because the Olympics takes mm. place every four years and normally it's in a, what you might call a clean year. So you know, it's, it, there's going to be years now potentially when the World Cup and the Olympics are going to coincide, which which is going to cause you know issues because you've got the Olympics football, which takes place potentially in the same year as the World Cup. That messes things up. What about the women's game? You know, having having a having a free year for the women's World Cup, I think is really beneficial for the game in, in terms of of growing the women's game. Well, what Infantino appears to be saying, no, it's all you know, men's football, Euros, World Cup, Club World Cup. That's going to be the focus. And if World Cups are going to take place in the winter, and if the Club World Cup is going to take place in the winter, then you could have two years in three where. You know, the, the European football, and I absolutely acknowledge that there's more to life than Europe, but European football is where the biggest money lies. Yet if the Premier League now faces two years in three of having to close down for four or five weeks um, during the middle of the season, I can't see the clubs or I can't see fans being over happy about it either. Mm. Recency bias, is that is that an accountant's term? Recency bias? It's, I, it's, it's a psych, psychological term. Is it really? Well, I, I intend mm. to use it because, as you know, uh, Kieran, Ali broke her collarbone last week, which mm. hasn't hasn't affected her supervisory skills. 
So <laughs> uh, the next time she tells me that I'm uh, unloading the dishwasher correctly, incorrectly, I shall point out that, Ali, you seem to have some sort of recency bias because what about all those times in the past when I did it properly? That would do it. <laughs> One of my friends is obsessive about dishwasher loading. Oh, God, really? It's not uh, John Richardson's the same. It's just bung it in. It's getting. It's all getting covered in boiling hot water. That's, yes. but apparently, apparently the angle in which the spoon is, is pointing to the heavens is important. Let's not go down it. <laughs> the 70s uh, comedy route, Kieran. And by the way, um, it, we've discussed this before, Kieran, about the amount of time we spend doodling kit designs when we're meant to be doing something serious. I, when I'm not doing that, I'm I'm doodling my my racing colours because in the unlikely event uh-huh. I ever have got enough money to own a horse, I want to make sure I've got some snazzy looking silks. Um, FIFA are rolling in money at the moment, Kieran. They're rolling mm. in the sort of money that you'd only get otherwise by starting a, a, a football finance pod. Um, but the Premier League will be getting a, a windfall from it as well, won't they? Yes, the, the Premier League is going to get around about twenty-eight million pounds in total. Rather, individual clubs are um, the the club which is going to be the biggest beneficiary financially of the World Cup is going to be Manchester City, um, and I fully acknowledge the irony in in that. Um, <laughs> it's going to get around about three point two million pounds, and the reason for that is that FIFA are paying um, it's around about ten thousand dollars a day for each day the the player is away from the, right. the parent club. So in the case of Manchester City, you've got five England players. You've got uh, Alvarez played in the final for Argentina. Um, but also, if you have players who have been with you over in the two years preceding the tournament, you will get money from that as well. So, so in the case of Manchester City, yeah, Raheem Sterling was with them until the, the start of this season. Gabriel Jesus... Um, was was exactly the same. So so Manchester City will, will be the biggest beneficiaries. I think Bournemouth are at the bottom. But we've also seen payments to um, clubs in in leagues one and two. So um, I, I went into the details, and, and I think uh, MK Dons, AFC Wimbledon, and uh, at Swindon Town with uh, with Johnny Williams, ex of yeah. ex of your parish, who who's one of those players who I always thought. He's going to be. He's going to be a star, and and, oh. you know, and I think he just had a very unfortunate time with injuries, and uh, you know, and it just shows that uh, you know, my knowledge of football isn't that great as well. Well, he was uh, the injuries apart. I mean, he was one of the best young, along with John Bostock. He's one of the best young players I've seen at Palace, Johnny Williams. But he was just so so unlucky with injuries. He mm. just, every time he came back, and also you discussed earlier about McAllister. Johnny Williams is again just one of the most decent young people you could meet. was well, not so young now, but it's one of the most decent men you can meet. I, I saw him at a funeral several months ago of a, a, a Palace fan and he, he took the day off training, came up for the funeral because wow. the Palace fan had been referring to it. He's just a, a nice man and a very good player. And we actually, I was going to say, I think we discussed this. We will discuss it. But I know we did because we recorded them last night. But um, it... it it seems fair that clubs like AFC Wimbledon and Swindon get compensated because they carried on playing football during the World Cup, so they actually missed mm. the services of decent players, didn't they? Um, in an in a alternative world, Kieran, uh, Ivan Tony would be in the headlines because he was part of the England squad that won the World Cup rather than surrendering so abjectly to France in the first half. But unfortunately, Ivan Tony's in the headlines again for different reasons. Yes, uh, I think there's been uh, 30 more uh, alleged offences with regards to um, football and gambling, and it, it's it's an awkward one. Um, you know, the, the the rules are very clear. Um, I think players are advised both by by their union and by club club officials that you you cannot bet on football. Um, some people. Some people do it because they're bored. Some people do it because uh, they don't necessarily bet themselves. If you think about what happened with Kieran Trippier, for example, you know he 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 advised some of his mates about something that may or may not have been taking place, mm. um, and they they put money on. Um, football's football's got to be clean, um, and I feel sorry because I, I think I, I'd have had him at England, and you know yep. the irony of uh, you know. 
England going out of the World Cup due to missing a penalty. And, and the one thing that you associate with, with Tony is that I have never seen mm. somebody as confident as him uh, taking a penalty himself. Uh, and yeah, that, that could have made a difference. So we'll have to wait, go through due process. He will be represented um, you know, to defend himself. We have seen players normally have been fined before there, there could be there could be more uh, more severe sanctions uh, given the number of offences that he's being linked with. But uh, you know, speaking to my friends at Brentford, they're all they were saying, well, yeah, most of this took place before he joined us. Yeah. Uh, certainly before he was in the Premier League and so on. Um, you know, sometimes we 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 do things and, and we and we have to learn lessons. So so they're hoping for a, a non suspended you know a, a non football mm. suspension. Uh, related uh, uh judgment uh, as as the worst thing um it's it's an awkward one because you know the, the the hypocrisy of football in that it's awash with gambling money and, and every uh every, every you know radio commercial show and and every uh, uh you know every commercial tv station uh, is is bombarded with with advertisements from the gambling industry um, so you know they're quite happy to take the money if if the player does something, and you know, I'm not not condoning or condemning here. Uh, if the player does something, the, the, the player becomes the story, which, uh, which seems very harsh. Well, you mentioned some of the reasons why uh, players might gamble: yeah, boredom, uh, excitement, danger, whatever. But also, one of the reasons we know for a fact, and we can't mention names, is that players are given free credit by gambling companies who aren't always the sponsor of the, the club. Um, so as you say, this is an issue that needs to be resolved and it's going to take some time to do it. Now, West Brom, talking of issues that need to be resolved, West Brom are one of those clubs that alarm bells have started to ring recently, Kieran. We've spoken about them much more often than I think West Brom fans would like. And there's been a big news story coming out of there this week. Yes, um, the... The club has announced that there's going to be an independent investigation chaired by a KC. Um, so that, that there will be credibility involved in the people uh, looking into this. With respect to, and, and the club has been um, suitably vague about a loan which mm. took place in 2014. And, and to give a little bit of background in respect of this story, um, West Bromwich Albion's majority shareholder was a guy called Jeremy Peace. Um, he then set up a company which borrowed money from from the football club, and it used that money to um, buy shares from West Bromwich Albion shareholders. Now he was already he already had a very significant um, stake in the club, um, so he he bought shares uh, from the proceeds of this loan. And then on the back of that, he sold the club, including his original shares and the shares that he had just bought. And um, he, he, I think the sale price was you know, in the region of £200 million. So he made a lot of money out of this. Um, it looks as if that loan might be still outstanding. Um, so not only has he benefited um, from, from the sale of the shares, which is Anybody's entitled to buy and sell shares. You know, it's a perfectly legitimate activity. Um, so he he you know the, the loan does appear to be outstanding. You know, has interest been paid on it? You know, West Brom fans, West Brom's had a bit of an up and down season. Um, you know, why, they would rather the money be invested in the club. There are also other shareholders who I think own around about 14% of West Bromwich Albion, who have not sold their shares to the new owner, which is, uh, I think, Gauchan Lai. Um, so, so, and, and these shares are, they, they have value, but at the same time, they're worthless. Um, and and that, that does sound a bit of a contradiction. That They have value in that if somebody was prepared to pay the same price as, as uh, Gauchan Lai paid to Jeremy Peace, then, then the shareholders could benefit. But they're worthless in that Gauch and Lai appears to have no interest in buying them, and there doesn't appear to be anybody wanting to buy fourteen percent of uh, of West Bromwich Albion either um, to, to take those shares off the hands. So, so they've got the share certificates, um, and, and they feel um, that they feel that they've got a bit of a raw deal uh, in respect of this, um, and also 
uh, Gauchen Lai himself has borrowed money from West Bromwich Albion. I believe that money is due to be repaid by the 31st of December. There's been no news from the club, uh, as far as I'm aware, as to whether or not that money has been repaid in terms of the date at which we're recording this show, which is the 21st of December. Still 10 days to go, you know, so could go either way. Um, I think this is a step forward. Um, you've got to give credit to, um, I think, the, the West Bromwich Albion, you know, uh, Albion supporters, organisations who have been, I think they've been articulate. We've also had a, a pressure group set up who have sort of organised, you know, sort of mini walkouts, uh, sort of grouped together to, to try to highlight um, the the unusual behaviour because, you know, one of the things we always associate with with football owners is uh, owning a football club's an expensive business. It's going to cost you a lot of money. When when the owner starts taking money out of the club in the form of a loan, you go, blimey, O'Reilly, that is very inconsistent. Um, And nobody falls in love with a football club that is is giving money to owners. Mm. I'm intrigued by this independent investigation, Kieran. If um, top lawyer and fan of the pod, Nick DeMarco, is listening, uh, and I hope he is, because lawyers have yet to find a way of charging us for listening. I'd be, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be, yeah, I'd be really interested in in the legal status of this investigation and and what it, its parameters would be, and what any potential legal outcome would be were they to find that wrongdoings have taken place. Um, so, if Nick or any other lawyer out there could shed some light on that matter, that would be very interesting to hear. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Um, FIFA rolling in money, Kieran, and one of our biggest clubs, it looks like, will be rolling in some more money at the start of next season. Yes, I've lost track as to which story we're on. We are on the... See, this is my fault, Kieran, because I... Oh, sorry, no, 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 it's entirely my fault, because, you know, this is my policy, my new policy of trying to give you... The ta-da moment. So I vaguely yep, set the yep. story up, and you. This is the yeah. So right, set up again because I've, yeah, I've I've just realised I I missed that, that story, but I, I know it. I've just I have well, put it in, in the right order. I, I think setting it up again, Kieran. I think our listeners will see through that if you, <laughs> if you can see through anything you're listening to. So let's just say Man United, Kieran, are looking for a new front of shirt sponsor, shall we? Yes. Um, <laughs> before a couple of years ago. Um, nobody had heard of Team Viewer, mm. and nobody had a clue what they did. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's, that status remains in this part of South London, Kieran. I have to <laughs> that's say. That's right. Well, I, I think to be fair, people have now heard of them, but they still have not got a clue <laughs> exactly what they're up to. And um, some of the shareholders of Team Viewer have sort of turned up at, the, at sort of the general yeah, general meeting or had a word with the board of directors and go. Just how much is this costing us? Yeah. And it's you know probably in the region of fifty to sixty million pounds a wow. year. And you're thinking, well, we're not we're not getting value for money. Um, we've not seen a significant increase in in the value of team viewers' revenues. So 
what they're now doing is that they're looking they're looking for a break. Um, the the deal was signed during COVID, so you you could perhaps offer some uh, some excuses to, to both sides that they, they had you know other things on their minds. Um, so Manchester United. Manchester United will be looking for uh, another organisation to to be their front of shirt sponsor. Uh, um, I'm sure it will be a very lucrative deal for Manchester United because they are a global brand. They they've got huge numbers of, of people that want to engage with a variety of ways at the club. Um, will they get the same amount of money? We, we're not certain. Um, how long will the deal be for? Again, not certain. You know, Manchester United is up for sale at present, so. Do the Glazers want to commit a new owner to a, a long-term front of sponsor deal? So, so we'll have to wait and see exactly what is happening here. But uh, yeah, Team Viewer, I think they, they've not got much bang for their buck. Um, I think you could probably say the same for for Chevrolet uh, mm. when when they did sign their deal with with Manchester United to be front of shirt sponsor in you know, five or six years ago. I think at the time they 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 that that year they'd sold sixteen cars in the whole of the UK. Which had fallen to about eleven by the time the deal had fallen. <laughs> so on a on a on a pound per car basis, um, that wasn't overly successful. Um, but yeah, I think it just goes to show that fo- football clubs are not the golden goose in terms of increasing profile that some people might think that they are. And sometimes people, yeah, we, we talk about football clubs being blinded by the check. Well, equally, sometimes sponsors can be blinded by the football club mm. um, and and the status of that football club when they sign a deal. I, I can't see in any way how it would ever have been appropriate for Team Viewer, given the the nature of the business that they do. But having said that, Kieran, given the global success of uh, Manchester United as a brand, horrible word, there won't be uh, any shortage of people queuing up to give them another 50, 60 million quid, will there, to sponsor them? No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know, it's 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 an iconic club. Um, it's uh, it's arguably you know, we use this word in, in inverted commas the biggest club in the country. Certainly in terms of um, you know, pages of newsprint uh, and and clicks, it it does exceed that of others. And you you are buying into that when when you when you get front of shirt sponsorship because every social media post has got your brand on it. All of those. Uh, yeah, all, all of the talk in the newspapers and the websites has got your brand on the front of it, and people are prepared to pay big bucks for that privilege. You talked earlier, Kieran, about um, footballers being human beings and not just assets. But uh, in Wales, a heartbreaking saga drags on. Yes, um, Emiliano Sala, mm. a young man whose life was tragically lost. Um, and there is an ongoing dispute between Nantes in France, uh, Cardiff City in Wales, um, with regards to um, exactly where was he registered mm. at the date of his death um, when when he was returning, ironically, from... I think he'd signed the deal mm. with Cardiff. He was then returning back to collect his possessions. Um, and what what we've seen is that... Um, just like all uh, you know, major uh, transfer deals, it, it looks as if Cardiff were going to be paying in, in three instalments. And FIFA ruled that Cardiff had to pay the, the first amount, which I think was around about 6.4 million euro. Mm. Um, and that uh, that ruling was upheld by the Court for Arbitration for Sport when uh, Cardiff appealed. And Cardiff have not paid the money. So therefore, they are now subject to a three-window transfer ban starting on the 1st of January 2023. Now, Cardiff City are at what they were considered to be the wrong end of the championship at present. So mm-hmm. therefore, you know, trying to sign players who will get you out of a relegation scrap is, is, uh, is important for them. It looks as if they are going to appeal the Court for Arbitration for Sport verdict to a Swiss federal court. Um, so court for arbitration for sport is there. Uh, you know, when, when we did have Nick DeMarco on the show, he's always said you know, arbitration is far better. Arbitration and negotiation is far better and cheaper and quicker than litigation. Well, Cardiff have, have not had the the response that 
they've liked from either FIFA or, or CAS. So they're now going to a Swiss federal court to see if their appeal can be upheld. But they do have this, this ban starting on the 1st of January. Um, there's a second issue in that Cardiff are saying, well, OK, if by any chance he was our player uh, at, at the tragic moment of his passing, then you know, we've, we've lost the benefits of uh, him playing for us for the next, I think it was three and a half years. So surely we should be entitled to some compensation mm. for loss. So it looks as if they're going to have, go down a second route, which would be appealing to a French court for damages. Now, it, I think they, they're going to appeal for these damages from Nantes, who was Emiliano Salas' um, previous club. And potentially what they're going to say here is that had he not had to fly back to France, he would have, you know, he would still be with us. And uh, we are confident that he would have scored enough goals in the second half of that season to have avoided relegation. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we would have remained in the Premier League. And therefore, we've lost, potentially, Premier League revenues. So it could be that they will be putting in an appeal for somewhere up to £200 million worth of compensation um, through the French legal system. In addition, it looks as if Cardiff might also be suing their insurance brokers for saying you have a a duty of care for, for all of this and uh, it looks as if, you know, we, we don't know the, the, the fine details, but we, we were not covered uh, from an insurance perspective should something have happened to him on the flight. You should have done that. You're our, you're our broker. You're our insurance company. So it could be yet another legal case about him to take place. And, and as we've said you know, on, on many occasions, um, there's only one winner in this mm. and it's nothing to do with football. Mm. And that's not being critical of the legal profession because they're, they're doing what they're they're paid to do, but um, it's messy. It's it's commoditizing young men mm. and you know in, in women's game and young women because we're starting to see big big transfer fees in the women's game as well, um, and it's just something that I find very dehumanizing. And sometimes we need to take a step back and perhaps just remember that there's more to life than than financial chicanery and, and arguments. Yeah, I'm not sure what legal fees are in Wales, France, Switzerland, but I imagine they've probably already spent 6.5 million euro on lawyers. Um, I, I've always had a soft spot, Kieran, for Walsall, because uh, I work on the basis that had I been born in the West Midlands, it probably would have been Walsall I ended up supporting. While, while all my friends at school supported Villa or West Brom, or Wolves, I'd have been a Walsall fan. So I've always quite liked them. Plus, I remember as a kid being absolutely fascinated by the fact they made saddles in Walsall. That was was brilliant. (laughs) And and, and there's some good news for their fans. Well, I'm assuming there's good news for their fans this week. Yes. um, What we have is is certainty. We we spoke earlier in the show about um, what happens when football clubs and football stadiums become... Uh, subject to separate owners, and it, and it doesn't tend to be good. Um, so Walsall were acquired by a US investment company called Trevela around about six months ago. And um, at the time, they were uh, tenants. In fact, they've been tenants of the, the Poundland Bescott uh, Stadium mm. for around about the last 30 years. And the landlord is the pension fund of the former owner, Jeff Bonser. Um, this, I think it's fair to say Jeff Bonser wasn't necessarily the most popular man in Warsaw in respect of the way that he ran a club. Now, I think there's two ways of looking at this. From, from a purely financial point of view, I, I think he ran the club well in, in the sense that it lived within its means um, it, uh, it it didn't get into huge amounts of debt and so on, um, and yeah, that that has some merits. But as fans, we we like to be indulged. You know, we, we like shiny baubles in the form of of football players on on big transfers and so on. Um, so the I think some of the fans have have accused him of a lack of ambition um, in terms of rent. Um, 
I don't know how big his pension fund is, but Walsall paid in total uh, in the most recent set of accounts £479,000 in rent. Now, that may not all be in respect of the, the Bescott Stadium, but I suspect a, a substantial element of that uh, does relate to the stadium. Um, and if you think about, you know, it's it's a, it's a relatively small stadium. You know, I've, I, I've been to it, I think I last went to it in a... Uh, uh, for a, a Carabao Cup second round game, um, which uh, we're, we're also deservedly won, so I hate to, hate to say, um, but that that that's quite a you know that's quite a sizable rent for a mm. for an organisation which is is you know turning over perhaps ten times that amount of money in a normal season, um, and also I think it puts into context um, just how good a deal West Ham have in respect of the London Stadium, where they're paying less than £3 million a year in rent for a stadium you know, with 60-odd thousand capacity um, you know, in, in swanky London and so on. Mm. Um, so the new owners have... Um, they they borrowed some money from the first Southern National Bank. So we don't know how much they, they've borrowed. Um, I think they put some money in themselves, but they've now bought the stadium from Jeff Bonser's pension fund. Um, and... You know, the good news is that there is that degree of certainty that you know the the, the rent can't suddenly go up at the next rent review. Um, Jeff Bonser can't sell it, uh, sell the stadium to a new landlord who might not be that amenable mm. to to Walsall Football Club and so on. So I, I think that's good. So you've got to give you know hats off to the new owners and also the, 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 there's been another owner in between Jeff Bonser and Trevela. Um, I think they've all been working on this to try to to get this this issue bottomed out. So it gives them um, a, a, a greater degree of confidence going forwards. Kieran, just two more stories till Christmas. How exciting no. is that? Um, <laughs> Uh, the, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of a clever way of introducing this one, Kieran, but it's uh, it's about Blackburn and the Venkies. It, it is, yes. <laughs> it, um, there's a company called Venkies London, which is effectively the parent company of, of Blackburn Rovers Football Club. Um, and this was set up when, uh, when the Venkies, who, who are from India, um, acquired the club. It produces accounts to the 31st of March, so it doesn't cover a full season, but it does give a sort of a rough indication as to what's happened. Now, I think, I think the Venkis are, are, are famous or infamous for, for two things. First of all, that they've made their money from chicken, um, and there are some there are some photographs of, of Blackburn players eating Venkis chicken, which have done the rounds on the internet, and it really annoys uh, Blackburn fans. Saying, <laughs> yeah, we've, we've moved on. We've moved on. Um, the, the second issue is that the, there is a rumour, there is an allegation that the Venkis, when they acquired Blackburn Rovers, and at the time the club was in the Premier League, um, sort of did it on a bit of a whim and didn't do a lot of due diligence. Mm. And as part of their lack of due diligence, they, they, they were unaware that football clubs could be relegated from the Premier League. And then once you're in the Championship and League One at some point, um, the money is far, far less. Um, so Blackburn Rovers has just lost money uh, because they were relegated effectively a few months after, I think a few months after the, the Venkis took over. Um, they've now lost in total um, £186 million, pounds, and that which is just a ludicrous amount of money. Um, and, and in respect of, of last year's accounts, um, we've got the benefit of, you know, we, we were coming out of COVID, so, so the money has, you know, the income has gone up. There's been little change in the wages, but you know, based on my calculations, the, the average wage in, in Blackburn's probably, you know, probably 11 to 12 grand a week. Um, so, you know, it still pays significant wages. The total wage bill, yeah, I think it was something like 100 and, £144 pounds for every £100 pounds worth of revenue. So a lot of money leaking out of the club. It's losing money before it's turned on the floodlights. Um, how does it offset those losses? Well, it, well, it sold Armstrong to Southampton, which has helped. 
I don't think, I think it's fair to say he's, he's not necessarily ripped up trees since since going to the south coast. But they sold him on credit, so but they didn't get. I think the total fee was uh, was around about ten million, eleven million for him. Um, and the other thing which they've done is a little bit unusual: is that that Blackburn Rovers no longer own their own training ground. Mm. Um, they managed to find somebody willing to pay seventeen million pounds to um, to buy that. Uh, that training ground, and fortunately, that that person appears to have uh, the name Venkies, um, oh. which is really helpful mm. from a financial fair play point of view, because it looks like this deal went through shortly before the EFL changed the rules, um, and, and I think they changed the rules. I think it was on the first of July, mm. twenty twenty one, and after that date, sales of property assets no longer qualified for FFP in terms of the profits. So I'm sure this was just uh, an amazing coincidence and uh, fair play to to Venkies London for finding something but he's willing to pay £17.3 million for a training ground um, for the football club. Mm, that's such short notice as well. That's brilliant. We started, Kieran, uh, in your old stamping ground in the northwest, and we end in your old stamping ground in the northwest. And deliberately so, because it's Christmas, we end with a good news story. Yes, and uh, fair play to, to Salford City. Um, Salford is, is an area of... Of great social deprivation. Even, even you know, Manchester is not a rich or wealthy city um, at the best of times. And yeah. I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to, to spend a lot of my life there. Um, but Salford is 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 a tough area. You know, and anybody that's ever listened to you know John Cooper Clark or Marky e. Smith talk about uh, you know their, their experiences of that area will will, will know that. Um, there's huge amounts of food poverty. There's huge amounts of child poverty, and and you know, that. That's not that's not for this show, but it it doesn't reflect well on this country, in my opinion. But what Salford City have said, we, we acknowledge that um, times are tough and lots of people can't afford to do many things. So what they've what they've decided to do is that for January they've got two home fixtures against uh, Northampton and Sutton United, and they've said if you want a ticket for the match, it's a fiver for an adult and two pounds for a kid. Absolutely fantastic. And what I think is equally fantastic, they've said this applies to away fans too. Brilliant. So, yeah. you know, Gary Neville and all of the the, the, you know, the, the gang of 92 and, and Peter Lim, who's the, you know, the majority uh, investor as far as the club is concerned, um, well done. And, and I think it is a, an uplifting uh, story to end our Christmas, pre-Christmas episode. And we know, Kieran, through social media and personal experience, that every club is doing their bit at, at the moment. Yep. We, I, I walked past uh, a food bank in Ballum yesterday, which was being organised by AFC Wimbledon fans. We've been told about Chesterfield distributing all sorts of toys and goodies for kids. I know from my own experience, you know, Palace are one of many clubs that are opening up a warm room um, for people to be warm for a day and also to have company also the palace for life our foundation of which i'm proud to be a trustee we had a a christmas grotto and we arranged for santa to deliver presents to the children of 40 families on the breadline who may not have had presents otherwise and next year we aim to make that 400 children and the year after that we hope to make that every child in south london who can't family can't afford so every football's doing its bit here and i think it's only right that we reflect that uh, for all the cynicism and world weariness of some of our stories, the the game that we love is capable of enormous generosity and Salford is just one example of that. And just a reminder that the first ever price of Football Replica shirt is still available to pre-order online. It's available in adults and kids' sizes and all the profits we make will go to gambling with lives. You can go to priceoffootball.com or find our uh, online shop at the Price of Football on Twitter. Um, the links are all there. And thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod, go to patreon.com slash price of football. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. We will be with you over the holidays. We've recorded some short question specials for you. We'll be back, I think, on the 5th of January. In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, I wish everybody who listens to the show and all of your families and loved ones 
uh, a fantastic Christmas. Christmas can be terrible for many people. Um, people who you love, you don't see for whatever reasons. And my my, my thoughts go out for you because I know people that, that have to go through that as well. Um, if you want to support the show, Patreon is uh, one way of doing it. Um, another way is to go on to your app through which you listen to the show and uh, give us a review. And you can write whatever you want. It's uh, it, it, The writing doesn't really matter. And as, as Christmas, I... I'd, I'd love to see the show presented by uh, by Michael Caine, who appears in my favourite <laughs> Christmas movie, The Muppets Christmas Carol, and Shane McGowan, who sings my favourite Christmas song, A Fairy Tale of New York. Uh, and apart from that, God bless you all. Thank you for all the support for the show. And let's hope that 2023 is the end of the Price of Football podcast because we run out mm. of all of the bad news in the game. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Stay safe. The price of football. The price of football.